You guys ever been asked to do something hard? A couple of you like, nope, ain't going to start today. I have several brothers and brothers-in-laws and sisters and sisters-in-laws. Thus, I have nieces and nephews, all that are getting older. My own kids are getting older. Um, I won't mention that one of them had a 13th birthday yesterday. Um, one of my brothers or brothers-in-law, whose kids are of driving age, uh, recently asked me, will, will you take my child and let them drive? I am not a good backseat driver. I'm not a good front seat, like passenger side driver. That was hard for me. And then we got out of the, the driveway. <laughs> this person did really, really well, whoever this person is. You ever been asked to do something hard? I didn't realize it, but uh, at the beginning of the summer, when we were handing out flyers for our summer events, I asked our leadership and others to come and join me as we knocked on doors to say, hey, come, come, here's a flyer. That was hard for several people. I won't point at anybody, but it was hard for them, okay? You ever been asked to do something really hard? That's a step beyond just hard, really hard. I asked uh, several people these questions this last week. It was fun for me to hear their answers. Uh, Somebody told me about a time they served on jury duty, and it was emotionally really hard for them because by the time it came time to uh, give the verdict, they had deliberated, this person knew that they were going to affect the defendant's life for a long time. So that was really hard for this person. Now, another person told me about a time they had to give a presentation to the second-in-command of their their company. Okay, so the C. I-O, not, not the head person, but the second in command. Now, if you don't mind talking in front of people, no big deal. And if your company's small, no big deal. This person works for a company of 400,000 employees. So the second in command is quite a ways up there, and this person doesn't like to speak in front of people. This was really hard for this person. Been asked to do something hard? Been asked to do something really hard? Have you ever been asked to do something that you had no idea how you were going to do it? There's a family in this church that has started the foster adopt process. Now, along this process, there's several stages into it. Along this process, some of their own family has been uh, pushing back with them a little bit. How in the world are you guys going to do this? I mean, you realize that you're adding another kid to the mix. That's crazy. And the response to the family is, we have no idea how we're going to do this. But we believe that God is calling us to this. No idea. You ever been asked to do something hard? You ever been asked to do something really hard? You ever been asked to do something you had no idea how you're going to do it? You ever been asked to do something you knew was near impossible? Where am I going with this? Last week, we began a sermon series on holiness. And in Leviticus chapter 20, verse 26, God says this, You must be holy because I, the Lord, am holy. You must be holy because I, the Lord, am holy. If this were the only time in Scripture that God said something like this, maybe we could brush it off. But it's not. He said it multiple times in the Old Testament. He even reaffirmed it in the New Testament when one of Jesus' closest friends, one of his disciples, Peter, said it again in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 15 and 16. Peter writes this, But now you must be holy In everything you do, just as God who chose you is holy. 
And then Peter referenced this passage in Leviticus 20. He says, for the scriptures say, you must be holy because I am holy. Us, be holy just as God is holy. Pardon me for a second. I need to have words with my heavenly father. Really? God? I mean, thank you for not asking us to create just by speaking. Thank you for not asking us to be omnipresent like you are. Thank you for asking us not to be, not asking us to be omniscient. God, thank you for not asking us to be any of the other omnis that you are. But God, really? You ask us to be holy just as you are holy? Isn't that hard, Lord? Isn't that really hard? Is it, God, we have no idea. God, that is near impossible to do. We still love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Be holy as God is holy. Last week, I mentioned we began a series on holiness. Now, this is a daunting subject, one that's overwhelming to study for, one that's confusing to understand, and one that's oftentimes controversial. And I told you, this is going to be a topic that we keep coming back to. It's not something where we're going to cover everything in a two- or three- or four-week series, but holiness is something we need to talk about. The late Bishop Parsons, a free Methodist bishop, in his little booklet titled Living the Holy Life Today, writes this. He says, it's an irony. Christians who are called to be holy ones are not as holy as they should be. One of the reasons we do a sermon series on holiness is because we need to correct this unfortunate truth of this statement. So last week, we began this series looking at the Leviticus 20 verse, be holy as I am, as I am holy, God said. And we, we began by looking at what it means for God to be holy. And we said it meant two things. We really simplified. Um, for God to be holy, it meant what? One of two things. Help me out. Set apart, okay? And for God to be holy, it means he is Sacred. Very good. Thank you for those who came and those who remembered. That's a long time ago. I understand that. God being sacred and God being set apart. When I talked about him being set apart, I talked about him being different than all other gods. Talked about him being beyond our understanding, beyond our comprehension of space and time. And I came down to him being a creator and us being creation. That sets God apart. And when I talked about him being sacred, we talked about it being this like line in the sand type of moment, right? God draws this line and says, I'm over here. You guys are over there. I'm sacred. You're, you're not. I mentioned two stories from the Old Testament that kind of rubbed me wrong. The story of Uzzah and the Ark of the Covenant and the story of, of um, Aaron's sons that didn't, uh, didn't burn the right kind of incense in the temple and it didn't end well for him. Ultimately, when we talked about God being sacred, what I said is it's kind of the opposite of profane. It's sinless, therefore it's not us. That was the way I defined it. Now for our takeaway, I encouraged you last week, just sit with, think on what it means for God to be sacred and set apart and what that means for us as we enter into his presence, whether it's throughout the week in prayer or whether it's coming as a corporate body to worship. And I hope you had a chance to, to kind of wrestle through that. This morning, we're going to come to part two, which is actually the first part of that verse, where God says, you be holy, just as God is holy. Now, if we go back to the Leviticus 20 verse, or the 1 Peter 1 verse, or any of the other verses in Scripture where God says this, we, we have to ask ourselves, does he really mean that? 
Like, does he literally want us to, to be like him? Is he telling us that we should be as we saw him to be last week? Let's think through this logically. Is God calling us to be God? No. No. He is not calling us to be the Almighty. But is he calling us to be like him? He did create us in his image, Genesis 1.27. So in calling us to be like him, maybe he's calling us to return to that image bearing. So I want to say yes, he's calling us to be like him. Now, is he calling us to be like we saw him to be last week, set apart and sacred? I want to be bold enough to say yes, he is. Now, it may look differently than what we saw it to mean for God, but I believe Scripture would back me on this. God is calling us to be set apart, and he is calling us to be sacred. For this week, we're going to keep it simple again. We'll keep it simple next week, and then we'll push a little bit more depth in the weeks after that. But this week, I want to show you that when God says, you be holy as I am holy, he is calling us to be what we talked about. He's calling us to be set apart and sacred. And we'll look today at set apart. See, it could be very easy for us. In fact, I think a lot of us do it. To, to think that there's only a few. There's only the, the proud. There's only the chosen ones that are set apart. And we could look in Scripture and we could see some of that. You look at Aaron and his sons. Okay? Moses' brother Aaron and his direct descendants, the sons, they were part of the few and the proud. They were obviously set apart by God. 1 Chronicles 23, 13. The sons of Amran were Aaron and Moses. Aaron and his descendants were set apart to dedicate the most holy things, to offer sacrifices in the Lord's presence, to serve the Lord, and to pronounce blessings in his name forever. You see it? Set apart. God had previously told Moses, clothe your brother Aaron and his sons with these garments. This was in a section on special dedicated and anointed garments that that Moses had made for the priests. He said, clothe Aaron and his sons with these garments and then anoint them and ordain them. Consecrate them so they can serve as my priests. The word for consecrate has the same root word as the the Hebrew words we looked at last week that we translate as holy. So it's obvious that Aaron and his sons were set apart to be uh, set apart by God in order to serve the Lord. And this morning we're asking the questions, are we chosen to be set apart? Okay, So raise your hand if you're a direct descendant of Aaron and his sons. No, Nobody? Okay, they were some of the few and the proud, the chosen. See, then God expanded it to the Israelites. And this is where we see a lot of these passages. To the Israelites as an entire people group. God says in Leviticus 20, verse 7, he says, So set yourselves apart to be holy, for I am the Lord your God. In verse 26, this is the one we've already mentioned. He says, you must be holy because I, the Lord, am holy. I have set you apart from all other people to be my very own. Deuteronomy chapter 7, verse 6. For you are holy, which means sacred here. You're a holy people who belong to the Lord your God. Of all the people on earth, the Lord has chosen you to be his special possession. Same book, seven chapters later, chapter 14, verse 2. You have been set apart as holy to the Lord your God, and he's chosen you. 
from all the nations on the earth to be his own special treasure. Any questions, any doubters that the Israelites were set apart by God? Okay, that's pretty clear, right? Go ahead and raise your hand if you are an Israelite by descent. Nobody? Let's keep going. The Old Testament prophets. They were set apart by God, right? God had asked them to to speak his message to his set-apart people when his set-apart people weren't living as he expected them to live. He asked them to tell them some crazy stuff. He told them to do some some wacky things in crazy persecuted places. They were good with that. Why? Because they knew that God was telling them to do this, and they knew that they had been set apart by God. Now, I'm not going to read the introduction to every Old Testament prophet. Let me just read one. Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 5. The Lord gave me, Jeremiah said this, the Lord gave me this message. And here's the message from God. I knew you, Jeremiah, before I formed you in your mother's womb. Before you were born, I set you apart. And I appointed you as my prophet to the nations. The Old Testament prophets were set apart by God. Raise your hand if you are a prophet. Colleen? I didn't even have that one written down. For those listening online, Colleen's last name is Prophet. Raise your hand if your last name is not Prophet and you are a prophet. Nobody? Are we called to be set apart by God? We're going to keep going, okay? We've covered the Old Testament, New Testament, the disciples. I think we would agree that they were set apart several different times. Well, Matthew 10 and Luke 6, these are times where Jesus lists the disciples by name. In Luke 6, it says Jesus went up on a mountain and, and prayed all night, and then he came down and he gathered all the people who had been following him. And he chose 12 of them, as he, and he designated them as apostles. I would say that means they were set apart. Would you agree? They were set apart. Okay? Keep moving. Another 50 years, 30, 50 years. The Apostle Paul, the most published author in the New Testament. When the church at Antioch had gathered to worship on a Sunday morning much like this, Acts chapter 13, verse 2 says this. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul also known as Paul, for the work which I have called them to. Paul took this to heart to mean he was truly picked by God. And he said this different times. Romans chapter 1, verse 1, he begins a letter to the church in Rome like this. Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle, set apart for the gospel of God. Now, I know nobody's going to raise your hands on this one. How many of you are the apostle Paul? Nobody. How many of you are the, one of the original 12 disciples? Okay. None. Are we called to be set apart by God? Does that still happen today? January 2006, I sat down with the pastor's cabinet and the board and told them my life story. They felt that because of that, There was a a gifting, a calling on me. April 1st of that year, they gave me the the title of a licensed ministerial candidate. They actually hired me. I still scratch my head at that one. A licensed ministerial candidate, okay? Which means they were setting me apart for ministry here in this local body. That is, what did I say, April of 06? The spring of 07, 
the, the, the conference board, the denominational conference board, uh, heard my story as well. And they said, yes, you have been set apart for ministry. So they, they gave me the term a conference ministerial candidate. Elena knows these terms because she's in the process of going through it as well. Jason has been through it. Several uh, others that are regulars here have been through that. Michael has been through it. Okay? The conference saying you are set apart to do ministry. The fall of 2008, uh, Pastor Dwight and you guys gathered around, Abby and I, you laid our hands You laid your hands on us, and you set me apart for lead pastor ministry here. May of 2010, the bishop, who many of you just call Matt, gave me a piece of paper. And I was reading it uh, this past week. It's in a cool frame, but it's just a piece of paper. Okay, says this. Know all men by these presents that I, Matthew A. Thomas, Bishop of the Free Methodist Church of North America, under the protection of God Almighty, and with an eye single to his glory, by the imposition of the hands of, of my hands and prayer, being assisted by the elders present, have this day set apart James Lehman for the office of elder in the Free Methodist Church. Set apart. Now, I, I'm not elevating myself above all the rest of us. I'm, I'm just sharing with you the language that our denomination uses when it, when it sees a gift set, a calling, and says, you guys are able to lead a group of people as they seek God. Okay, so there are still be people being set apart. But what about everybody else? What about you guys? What about everybody who has answered Jesus' call to be a disciple of his? What about the Christians around the globe? Are they still called to be set apart? We sang a song, I want to be holy. God says, be holy as I am holy. We're seeing that when he says that, he means be set apart. So does that mean you guys too? To this section? Yes. To this section? Yes. To this section, yes. God has called each of us, if we are following Christ, to be set apart. But what does that mean? Well, we're going to get there. I want to show you in Scripture, though, that God does mean it. Okay? Psalm chapter 4, verse 3. Psalmist says, but know that the Lord has set apart the godly for himself. That's you guys. Okay? 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9 and 10. Peter is talking to the church back then, which translates into the church today. Chapter 2, verse 9 and 10. But you're not like that, Peter says, for you are a chosen people. You are royal priests. You're a holy nation. God's very own possession. As a result, you can show others the goodness of God, for he called you out of the darkness into his wonderful light. Once you have had no identity as a people, now you are God's people. Once you received no mercy, now you have received God's mercy. You're a holy people, a priesthood set apart. That's what Peter tells the church. And you're called to be different. Remember we we said God was different? As God's chosen people, you're called to be different. Romans 12, 1 and 2, this is a verse you're familiar with. Paul writes, And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is the way 
to worship him. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Now, the word holy in, uh, in biblical times, in, in, in antiquity, um, the Greek word means different. So it would like be saying, well, that building is different than that building. That's when it's just your regular Greek literature. When it's used in here, the Greek word is hagios. It means different from the world because you're like the Lord. That's what it means. So you, you, when you see the word holy in the, in the New Testament, it means different from the world because you're like the Lord. Be holy as I am holy, God says. Be like the Lord. This is what we are called to. We, like Aaron and his sons, like the Israelites, like the prophets and the disciples, like, like Paul, we have been called by Jesus to be, be set apart. We have been chosen by him. He said that in John 15, verse 16. He says, I have chosen you. And we have been called to be different from our surroundings. Romans 12, 1 and 2 says that. It makes it clear. You're different. But what does that mean? For Aaron and his sons, it meant they got to wear cool clothes. And they got to minister in the temple. For the Israelites, it meant they had to follow a lot of food rules and behavior rules. For the prophets, it meant speaking messages that nobody else wouldn't have wanted to speak. And for the apostle Paul, it meant walking these roads in, in, in Galilee and, and the surrounding areas and preaching about this, this rabbi who he believed to be the promised Messiah. For me, it means I get to stand before you and preach regularly. I get to help cast the vision for this, this group of people that are seeking to serve the Lord. I, I get to counsel. I get to do the sacerdotal duties. I've always wanted to say that. The sacerdotal duties of, of marry and bury and baptize and give communion. That's what it means for me. What does it mean for you guys? What does it mean? When I started writing this message on Monday, when I started planning uh, this message, I had every intention to look at both set apart and sacred today. Every intention to. And then Wednesday night happened, and I'm prepping, and I get to this point in the message, and it was very clear that God said, no, James, you need to stop here. Okay. I mean, I don't have to write another half a message, Lord? No, you need to stop. And he said, don't tell the people what it means for them to be set apart. Because for you guys, it's going to mean something different than for me. So the end of a normal sermon, I would give some, here's some practical applications for you guys to take home, and this is how you do what we just talked about. This morning, I want you guys to talk. I know, breathe. breathe. For those that this is different than normal church, we're going to get into groups of five or six, okay, or seven or eight or two or three. Just when you, when you get into a group, look around and see if there's anybody else that's not in a group and invite them into your group. And we want you to talk about what it means for you to live set apart in today's culture. Because we can learn from each other. And living set apart is going to be different for me as a pastor than it is for Jeff as a mechanic at Subaru. Okay? It's going to be different for me than it will for, well, John, you're also a mechanic, so it might be similar to the two of you. 
It's going to be different for me than it would be for my friend Susie, who's retired. It's going to be different for Abby, who's a stay-at-home homeschool mom, than it will be for Dorothy. We're called to be set apart. Scripture's clear on that. Hopefully, I've, I could have said that in the first two minutes and saved you guys a 25-minute sermon. Okay? But we're called to be set apart. But what does that mean for you guys? We're going to break off into groups of four or five or six or seven and talk about that. I'm going to give you 10 minutes. If you don't know the person, you can't look at their name tag because I forgot them this morning, which is fine because they weren't sticky anyways. Okay? If you don't know somebody, ask them their name. And then say, what does it mean for you to live a set-apart life? Is that clear? I think we, yeah, there we got a question up there. What does it mean to be set-apart? Ten minutes. And we're still going to get done close to 1030. Ready? Set? Go. I feel bad doing this because you guys are talking so well, but we're going to uh, gather back around. Um, I encourage you to continue these conversations after, especially if, you're, if it's just really good. Um, in fact, we're going to continue the conversation right now, and I want to hear from some of you guys what it means for you to be set apart. Because again, it's going to look different for each of us. We are all called. You don't have to have a... a, a a piece of paper on a frame in your wall. You don't have to have a title of elder or deacon or board member. Um, we're called to be holy and we're called to be set apart. So what does that mean for you guys? What was one thing that stood out while you were in your group? And just so you know, I'll repeat back what you say uh, so that everybody can hear. So what does it mean for you to be set apart? So a big part of that set-apartness has to do with your relationship with Jesus. Okay? Praying, waiting for him. Very good. Very good. What else? Practically speaking, what does it mean to be set-apart, Miss Susie? Okay. Set-apart from the world standards um, and following more Christian standards so that we're, we're... uh, kind of untouched. Can you give me a practical example of something we would stay away from? <laughs> she stayed away from it, so she doesn't know what they all are right now. <laughs> Two weeks from now, we're going to talk about pursuing practical holiness. Susie is going to be preaching. <laughs> Thank you, Susie. Um, what does it look like? Let me get a young person. Part of why we did this is because I knew that the young people would be in here. Um, So, Terry, as a young person sharing, what does it look like for you? Your husband pointed at you. Okay. 
Okay, so we need to be a light to this dark world. Can you give me a practical how? We need to love others even if we don't like what they are or what they're doing. You want to wonder who you're, you wonder who you're supposed to love? Turn the news on. Okay? There's a lot of people that, that the world saying you should not love them. And yet as the light, we are called to love them. Okay? So since uh, Miss Terry is 35, somebody under 35, go ahead and share. Doug, you barely made the cut. Okay, good. So how we can be set apart is how we respond to others. And one practical example is how we drive. You know, maybe we don't cut the person off. Maybe we don't lay on the horn. Or bare minimum, we at least take the Jesus bumper sticker off our bumper. (laughs) He didn't say that, but others. How about somebody high school age or younger? Cody, how can we live set apart? Okay, so instead of doing the regular standards that everybody does, maybe it's in school, he pushes beyond. This person goes uh, above and beyond those standards as a way to be set apart. Okay, good, good, thank you. Somebody else? Ron? Very good. So in Ron's devotion, he was talking about uh, it's easy to work people up to follow Jesus, but um, holiness maybe only gets half-hearted effort, and Christ wants that other half. Okay? Good. Anybody else? Okay, doing what you're called to do, whether you want to or not. Give me a practical, because this is really what I want to take away. Okay. That was not, I loved teaching Sunday school, but I didn't agree and do it at the church where I went to Mabel Park. Okay. And it was stressful and, and all that, but you do what you need to do. Sure. What you're called to do. Doing what you're called to do. And that could be in individual little situations. That could be when you see the checker at the grocery stand looking kind of down and you say, hey, is everything Okay. Can I pray for you? Maybe not right there because you've got a line behind you, but, hey, I'll be praying for you. Okay? Practical things. I fully realize that this morning's message is simple. Any one of you could have told me at the beginning when I asked, are we, are we called to be set apart? Any one of you could have said yes. We all know that. But it's when we translate it into our daily lives that it makes a difference. And my prayer is that this week, because we've had time to converse with each other, we're going to think about that. We're going to get in our, in our regular interactions, and we're going to realize, wow, not only is this hard, 
this is really hard. Sometimes we have no idea how to do it. And God, maybe this is impossible, but you're still calling us to do it. You're still calling us to do it. Okay? Practical steps working towards holiness, the call of God to be holy. Ms. Dorothy, I'm going to let you have the last word, then I'm going to pray. The main job of a Christian is to forgive those who aren't holy. You want to be set apart? Oh, my goodness. The world teaches you to retaliate and to get them back. We're called to forgive. We're called to be set apart. I want to ask God's help for us in that. This week, worship team is going to come. We're going to sing one final song, and then, uh, then I'll dismiss you. Lord God, I, uh, I want to ask your help this week in practical steps of being set apart. And God, I don't know what tomorrow holds. I don't know what today holds. I don't know what Wednesday, Thursday, or Friday holds. You do. And I trust that you're going to give opportunities for me, for others, to live in a way that is set apart, yet to live in a way that others see you. God, I I believe you're not calling us to be weird. I believe you're not calling us to be... um, offensive, but you're calling us to love. You're calling us to forgive. You're calling us to choose. You're calling us, Lord, just to be different so that other people can see you. Help us to be holy this week as it pertains to being set apart. We can't do it without your help. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.